Hey everybody, I am Jake and I am alone in the basement. Uh, today I get to interview somebody I've known since I was 18 years old, so I'm really excited for this and uh, I think it should be a fun one. I'm going to be talking to Vicious Van Valley. Uh, I'm a I'm a big time fan of this dude. Uh, in an era where we're we're seeing smaller guys, he's a, he's a big guy who knows how to work, and I, I love that. I'll always love stuff like that. So uh, uh, you know the routine by now. You know, just stick through the ad or skip through it, and then when we're on the way back from that, I will be uh, starting the interview. So uh, thanks for listening in. Love you guys. All right, everybody, we're back, and we are with Vicious Van Valley. Uh, as I was saying earlier, this is a guy I've known since I was 18, so I'm, I'm really pumped to do this, and I'm really happy that he, that he reached out and was able to make this happen. So what's going on, man? Thank you again. Oh, it, it is my pleasure to do this. I was trying to think today, when was the last time I saw you, and I hope it wasn't WrestleBowl 1 in 2006. It was in 2006, but it was late 2008, I think. That's still far too long. Oh, yeah. We both lived lives. <laughs> Congratulations <laughs> yeah. on the kids. Thank you. <laughs> and the wife. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> got me beat on the kids, but I have a cat. Hey, you got to start somewhere. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right, man. So uh, we're just going to get right into it. I know you've been a huge wrestling fan for the longest time, but ha- have you been a fan since you were a little kid? Or uh, Yeah, definitely since I was an infant. I remember seeing pictures of me with a Hulk Hogan and Ultimate Warrior plush doll, but I have no memories of watching anything um, from that era. The very first tape that I saw was in two uh not two thousand it was in nineteen ninety four. I was living in a trailer park and this dude named Travis Rafenberg, so shout out to him. He showed me WrestleMania ten and I was hooked by the Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon ladder match. Razor Ramon was my first actual favorite wrestler and that ladder match was incredible. That whole show was awesome. Um and after that I just watched like all of his tape collection. But then in ninety five I moved out of the trailer park. So I didn't have any wrestling tapes to watch. So I kind of fell off a little bit. And it was the night after WrestleMania 12, me and my mom were watching TV and she flipped through Raw and they were like, who won the Iron Man match? And I just got hooked by that episode. And ever since then, it was off to the races. There was like a local video store on weekends that would do like five for five and two out of the five rentals were always one of the Coliseum videos or some other pay-per-view from WCW. I was just catching up on everything that I felt like I had missed out on. That's awesome, though. I, I remember as a kid, too, just always going. And, I mean, we my parents used to order all the pay-per-views, so I, I was lucky in yeah. that respect. But the Coliseum video releases, it was like, oh, this is stuff I've never seen before. I have to see yeah. all of it. <laughs> she, she was somehow letting me do both, man. Like, I was I was a WWF guy. I, I was only watching Nitro and, uh, and Saturday Night for WCW. But, like, WWF, I was able to get everything. Toys, video games pay-per-view um i don't even know what hooked me to wcw i know i was watching it before before hall came out but that's the first like hall jumping ship is the first thing i remember but i must have been watching it because i was actually watching that show (laughs) to see it happen i don't know i just loved everything Uh, fair enough man and we and we got to grow up in a great time when you know with the Monday yeah, we were and stuff. On. Oh, we were. There's there's no arguing. Uh as you got older though, did your tastes change at all? Like did you open up more to maybe ECW or, or different indies you could find? Yeah, I got hooked on ECW also. Uh my friend Warren was really well, was way more into ECW than I was, but through being friends with him, we got a taste of the hardcore stuff. My mom hated the hardcore wrestling and the blood and stuff, so when Shawn Michaels bled everywhere for the Hell in a Cell with Taker, I almost couldn't watch WWF anymore. And I was going to be really mad if that happened. Um, but I didn't really find indies until, and I, I think my first hint must have been the first indie show I went to. My grandpa got like my family tickets to a show in Oneana, New York. And uh, I thought there was going to be a ton of like WWF wrestlers. 
but it was just a bunch of people that I didn't know in the Iron Sheik. And the I, I love that. A bunch <laughs> of guys I don't know in the Sheik. Because <laughs> that's just how it always is. There's always one guy to hook you, and then, and then you're like, oh, okay. Oh, I bet his knees weren't even working then. <laughs> I, you know, I don't even know if it was actually the Iron Sheik or if it was just someone that looked like the Iron Sheik. <laughs> That'd be even better when you're just like, wait. <laughs> Who the fuck is this sheik? I've I, I've done I've done been goofed. <laughs> now yeah, TNA, my senior year in high school, TNA, when that was taken off, I knew about that. I guess Independence, like through through Pro Wrestling Insider and Illustrated, that's got to be how I found out about Independence. Oh yeah, that, I feel like it was that way for a lot of us. Like that's how we found Ring of Honor and shit. Because like upstate that. New York, you know, you know as well as I do, like. High, the internet when like we, the dial-up was terrible even for the time being like we didn't we weren't tape trading uh no no the closest thing that we or at least i got to tape trading was finding high spots like eighth grade and having to actually buy the fucking tapes but there was no <laughs> one trading them with me but yeah i didn't i didn't get fucking high-speed internet until my senior year of high school that's how backwards it was for some of us up here. <laughs> yeah, it took upstate New York a while to catch up. It still is in a lot of respects. Well, I'm sorry to hear that, man. <laughs> I was just about to say I hope it's gotten better. Oh, I don't think it ever gets better here. You just you just learn how to get by. Fair enough. <laughs> now, uh, like uh, everyone our age, it always seemed to translate into, oh, we watched, we watched Raw... And then, you know, maybe SmackDown. So are we going out Saturday and fucking around in the yard? <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. We're going out and fucking around in the yard. Who doesn't do that? I don't, do Everyone kids still do it? At some point. <laughs> People are still doing it. I think as long as there's yards and wrestling, there's going to be kids <laughs> wrestling in the yard. Uh, so so what was it that uh, that made you and your friends want a yard? Was it just because you were watching and you had to act it out? I think I think so. Yeah, we were just acting it out like from like from like '96 to 2002. We were just doing it every so often. Like it, it would be no different than playing like action hero or going to play basketball. It was just something to do outside. Um, but then after WrestleMania 19 in 2003 is the first time we like got a video camera and we're like, let's put some like shows together and like actually. I have some, everyone had a character, multiple characters. We actually tried to put storylines and everything together. And, and that's when it was just, you know, momentum seeing it in, we just never stopped. Once a week became twice a week and we had raw smackdowns and pay-per-views just like TV. And then once I got into college and got high speed internet, I discovered the backyard wrestling forum, and that was absolute insanity. Uh, that's my, my was my next question. <laughs> uh, we okay. we were lucky enough to be involved at the time when backyard wrestling was probably at the point where it had the most talented people that it may ever have. Uh, yeah, it was at its absolute peak. Oh yeah, and we discovered uh, the link. I mean, that's what it was affectionately called, but the backyard wrestling link. And how yep. how could you explain that scene when we went to our first show in 2006? It, complete fucking insanity. Like, the things we were doing at that age, like, I don't think people could do it today at, as young as we were because we were, like, doing everything you were told not to. We were literally just getting in cars and going to meet strangers off the internet, and then we were going to trust them with our fucking livelihood. I don't know if I'm supposed to swear on this, but... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I used to fuck like a comic. It's it's good, man. Fair enough. It was insane. And, and housing? off. Oh, figure it out when you're there. Okay, cool. Literally. It, but it was so much fun. Like, people can get into a frat all they want and party... Uh, till they're blue in the face but the super show hangouts were some of the best times of my life hands down uh i'm totally with you like it, it is crazy to think of, of when you're saying that the, literally meeting strangers uh my first show i traveled to was was where i met you 
And I just remember, I didn't even have a GPS. It was literally, I was lucky enough that my dad lived in Massachusetts. So he could tell me how to get to New Bedford. And it was literally a map on the hood of my car and him saying, okay, follow this. And I'm like, yeah. what the fuck? Okay, I hope it works out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We got a little travel in uh, before there was smartphones and GPSs. Like, we had to go with MapQuest to get from Cooperstown to New Bedford. And that was our second traveling show. We That was on a Sunday, I think, right? Or like a Saturday? I think it was well, a the Saturday. Friday, the Friday, we went down to Pennsylvania uh, to do the Randy Kerner Memorial Show. Like, we got a last-minute invite on that from Kale because we were going to be on the show in New Bedford. And that was the thing, the forum. When did you find the forum and how? I found the forum, uh, I want to say either late, 2004 early 2005 through martel and for the longest time i was just like on there like snooping around i was terrified to post mm -hmm. and then you know finally it was one of those things where i was like listen obviously i i need to go out and do this i need to i wanted to grow as a wrestler and you know it was one of those things where i wasn't exactly ready to go or try and go pro because I, I couldn't afford the fucking training. So I was yeah. like, I'm just going to go and fuck around with these guys who are way better than me and maybe I can learn shit along the way. And that, that was finally when there was a, a show close enough to where my dad lived in Massachusetts and I was like, I can make this work. Absolutely. And then for, I found... Oh, oh go, go ahead. ahead. No, you go ahead, man. I found it from a girl I graduated high school with when we all went off to college her roommate was friends with either Mike or Rob Harms. So through that loose connection, because, like, obviously they talked about their friends and, the, and then discovered, oh, I have a friend that's a wrestler, so do I. And then I got the, the CWA website, and they had a link to the link on their website. And that's when I was just like, oh, my God, there's not only another company in Connecticut that does this. There's an entire forum of people all around the world that backyard wrestle for fun, film videos, make music videos, order their own gear and hold shows. Oh wait. And they're opening invitations for everyone to travel to it. That was such a, that was a game changer. It was. And you're right. I, I think it was mind blowing at that time that literally like, we're not just saying, oh, since we were in, like, upstate New York, it was, like, Northeast based. No, we were watching music videos of people from Australia, Wales, uh, you know. HVWA is, to this day, my, one of my favorite feds. Oh, what are, did those guys all go pro? What happened to those guys? I think some of them went pro. Uh, James Sinai, I think, were, was James Sinai, Robbie Eagles. Was, I still don't know, but I shared a locker room with him at Pizza Party Wrestling last year. And he was like, this is so awesome. I'm hanging out with Johnny Cockstrong and Marcus Sintafante. And I was like, dude, you're in New Japan. We're supposed to be saying this is awesome that we're with you. And he was like, shut up, dude. I used to watch NYE and the Grabgasms religiously. And I was just like, oh, my God, this is so weird. He was on the link? I had no fucking clue he was on the link. <laughs> Robbie Eagles was from HVWA. Uh, I'm pretty sure he was signed. Holy I, I might be. Fuck. I might be lying. <laughs> I mean, I we I, we all know Osprey was was around, but I didn't fucking know Eagles too. Holy shit! <laughs> yeah, and then some other guy uh, came to New Era. I think he's one of their students or rookies or like young boys or whatever. But he was a friend of Eric Douglas, who got a little fundamental shown to him at the New Era shows in 2013. Never did anything, and now he's about to be in new japan or is in new japan one or the other uh yeah i think the the stepdads were telling me about that oh it's crazy yeah, yeah uh, they... justin would know for sure because him and Dutt, they they all three of those guys rode together to cooperstown yeah yeah alex coughlin he, he is a young lion right now in the new japan system and has you know worked Dude. openers and shit and it's crazy it's so ridiculous and like seeing how crazy uh the breakout zane is having and Chad Gable had a link account. Yeah. Eric Stevens had a link account. Roderick Strong had a link account. Chris Hero. Yeah. Literally, we came from what I mean, Makabe now too. You yeah. Know, all those guys. Deppin. It's it's literally it's a fucking who's who of the indies right now. We're people that we got to fucking hang around and fuck off with. And I think that's why the stigma is gone now, because back then 
back then there wasn't people that were yarding and coming up. And now that there's so many yarders that are that are breaking out or already within the system, like I think you, I think the the script on the yarding flipped as soon as the young bucks were like we yarded and it was cool. And Osprey was like, yeah, I yarded and it was cool. And then GCW holds a backyard wrestling show and that has actual yarders on it. Like it, it's like everyone that's that did yarding knows how much fun it was. Doesn't want to sacrifice those years because it was some of the best of their lives because anyone that does it knows how awesome it is. It's indescribable. Oh yeah, definitely. And, and I mean, without naming names, there was people who were pro and still yarding with us and just told us straight up, like the Indies aren't as fun as I thought they would be. That's why I'm here with you guys. Yeah. That's how I found, that's how I learned all the fundamentals everyone would come to get, get together and learn a little bit before we had the, the yard shows. And, and it was the guy that trained with, uh, at one of the Mo- motor city machine guns, not going to say which one. Cause I don't know, you know, I don't want to start any heat or anything, <laughs> but he trained under him and he said, that's ah, okay. Training's kind of a waste of time and unbreakable Andy. Everyone's going nuts over him. He didn't formally train, but he learned his fundamentals untraditionally. As long as you learn it, that's what's that's what's important. Eventually, you got to learn it. Exactly. And I hope Andy comes back soon. I know that he's he's still weighing his options, but that's a guy who I was at the show where he got hurt, and it was terrible. Yeah, it's just um, it just and, <laughs> it, terrible timing. It was literally like the weekend after he was announced for spring break. And I think that injury allowed all his other injuries to catch up to him, and now he's just recouping. And, I mean, when we came in, that was like the name, and that's a guy who never got to break out to the point that he should have, just for how... Jake, Jake, he's still the name, and if he ever decides to come back, people are going to put some respect on that name real, real fast. He is, he's the GOAT, Uh, he's an OG Unbreakable Andy, Anarchy Andy, whatever you want to call him. He's a, he's a god. <laughs> he is. Backyard wrestling and hopefully indie wrestling one day. And he's the sweetest man. I never expected him to be as down he to is. earth as he nice was. Person. <laughs> uh, so what, what was... Jake, I don't know what your next question... Oh, go ahead. I don't man. know what your next question is. I'm, sti- I'm, I'm steer, steer, um, steering the ship now. <laughs> you came from one of the most interesting backyard feds ever, WZW. I did. And I... We're talking about how much fun and insanity backyard wrestling was with just people that had the passion to go out there and kill it. I want to talk about how, are you familiar with Grimm's Toy Show? I've heard of it and I've seen like clips and pieces, but I don't think I've ever watched uh, an actual episode. Okay, because I feel like Grimm's Toy, because he has just a bunch of random gimmicks and characters. The matches are always short, but the angles are always weird and out there. And this dude gained such a following, and I just, with the first time I saw an episode, this is a few months back because it took me a while to notice it, I was like, man, if Martel had the loyalty from his random-ass roster and all the uh, and his commitment to follow through with it, WZW would be the Grimm's Toy Show for sure. Because you guys had just out-there, bonkers ideas, you didn't care if the matches were five stars. You were just going out there to have fun. It was it was such a weird mix of people. Uh, it still is because it's still running, which is is still crazy. Jeez, it's got to be it's got to be the longest running backyard fed ever. It, it ha- or at least at this point, yeah, that hasn't closed at all because running from the early two thousands to twenty twenty. But yeah, it was. I don't know what it is about upstate New York that seems to shit out the fucking weirdest, craziest people. And just people from all walks of life. But, yeah, I mean, you had people coming through who were legitimate drug addicts, uh, legitimate alcoholics, uh, just just the craziest people. I remember being 17 and there being a guy in, like, his mid-30s in WCW wrestling a kid who was 14. And I'm just like, man, is this even fucking legal? Like, I mean, I know it's, you know. Like a, a round. Do you, of, were, do you, were you there when the one of the Los Bariquas came by? I missed that show and was immediately called and said, "Jake, were you here? You would have been able to wrestle him." Yo, uh, a Los Bariqua came by and started just chaining and wrestling around with Scotty Skills. Why he picked Scotty Skills, I have no idea. I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. 
Yeah, I it was just one of those things where I was like, "What? Uh, how?" Because he was telling everybody, "Like, yeah, I'm gonna be back. I'll be back. We're gonna hook you guys up." And he never came back, which I don't blame him. <laughs> uh, it, it was. It was. I think it was just because there were so many people in Amsterdam, and and there was no way to hide the product. You were just there if someone was taking a walk. Oh yeah, and it was truly, it was truly ghetto fabulous wrestling. And I remember it was awesome. one of the one of the many Terry Funk esque retirement shows for WCW. Uh, I I showed up and I was and I I wrestled as shitty as I could for being so rusty and out of shape and out of just fucking life. And of course the cops get called because that's you know happened constantly. And you know that we had been doing this for so long when one of the cops went to high school with Martell and literally just said, yeah, we're not going to shut you down. You just got to kind of quiet down so the neighbor stops fucking bitching. <laughs> oh, man. I wonder how Mark felt in that moment. <laughs> oh, he was all nonchalant, like shaking his hand, like, hey, man, what's up? He's like, oh, you know, not much. You know, here's the situation. Shit, Mark, you're still doing WCW. <laughs> Probably that probably was the exact thought in his mind of when he got the call. He's like, "Oh, I know who it is. I'll go take care of it." I mean, the cops aren't bad people to have on your side in that situation. No, no. I mean, they knew who we were. Uh, it's. I'm sure they still will. At the. I don't know if the show. So I, oh, go ahead. I somehow in this community, I met Drew, and I sat under his learning wing. And I don't know if he knew he was showing me stuff because I know he was running backyard shows to train and get ready for how to eventually run beyond. But I learned a lot from him. And then when he moved on fully with beyond the, you know, the community and super shows needed someone to step up and run the big ones. So that's when me and the Cooperstown boys grabbed the torch and we ended up, I wish you could have come to some of the NYEs, man. Those were crazy ass times we were running once a year, three days, it turned into hundred over hundred people at them, all over UK, Canada. Did anyone ever wild. explain to you why I fell off the face of the earth without getting too depressing for a moment? <laughs> no, what's up? Um, well, I, I, were you at one of the ESW shows that my dad came to? Uh, I think so. I know I met your mom. I'm not sure if I met your dad. Okay, well, my dad was was probably the most supportive person for my wrestling career at that time or whatever if that's what you want to call it and uh i lost them to lung cancer and it was sorry to hear that it was one of those things where my whole world fell out from under me and i stopped doing everything and then you know when i thought i was like all right maybe maybe i want a yard again i just looked at the scene and felt like i can't keep up with these guys anymore or i can't do this or you know, just kind of like in my own head of not being able to do it. And that's why I never really reached out because <laughs> I thought no one's going to fucking give a shit about Jake Adams anymore. <laughs> uh, people, people give a shit about people. Yeah. Especially in, especially, especially in the yard community. Like we harass each other, but we, at the end of the day, we're all brothers and sisters. So I wish having heard that, I'm sorry. And I wish you did reach out because some of the biggest bangers, we're just like an hour and a half away from you, man. And yeah, you could, literally. Had a hell of a time. I mean, it sucks, but I mean, at this point, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and uh, I still the, the I got to see a lot of the footage of the stuff you guys did, and it was fucking crazy. And I'm I'm super happy for you guys. And one of the things I want to know is what made you guys decide? All right, it's time to go pro. Um. Well. Uh, Kale is the first person to book me in the yard, and he was also the first person to get me pro bookings, but I was still messing around with the yard, and I just decided if I'm going to, if we're going to travel to Pennsylvania to do wrestling for one night and then have to go back home, why don't we just wait and, uh, you know, do backyard shows when we can get a whole weekend of hangouts in and it's not just one day. So, you know, the... The decision was made to still stick around and have a fun time. You know, we're here for a good time, not a long time. That's right. At the time, you're young and dumb. You wanted to party. Um, but I also helped. Uh, we helped Drew start Beyond. We went to Ohio, me and Broggy, and we did some of the early Beyond studio tapings. So kind of balancing both for a little while, but I ultimately picked backyarding. And when the time was there, when I saw the writing on the wall, I guess, in 2014, I moved from New York to Pennsylvania, 
because I wanted to seriously give it a go with my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, so I guess it worked out. I wanted to give it a go with her. Um, and in 2015, uh, Ace Dallas was running a yard fed out of, like, they had rented Wolfman's training facility. And uh, I w- went to go be on that. And these are, like, newer kids on the in the yard. You might not know them. Um, but, uh, I went to do it and I met Wolf and he liked what he saw. And, and, uh, that was in April. And I think me, Jess and Sarah were on the May show for SWO. That's how I transitioned back in. And even still for a little while, I was doing both until I decided, yeah, I wasn't really having fun with the yard. Like it was, it was a lot of politics and drama in the art scene believe it or not you know oh it was always that way titles really meant a lot to people (laughs) they they did man they Uh, really did so eventually i was like you know what i'm still here to have fun but now the fun is i want to try take this seriously and myself seriously so i made the switch and like eight other people in this area made the switch and we've been running and gunning with swo ever since which is it's crazy it really is so what was it like early on during your time in the indies like did people maybe recognize you as as a yarder and was that maybe a little hard to shake or or were you lucky in a sense that people had no idea who the fuck you were (laughs) um when kale was getting me bookings i stuck with him and people would make like yarder jokes like some of the pa like local legends in that area like, they would make jokes about Kale, but that they also liked Kale, so it was fine. And, like, Andy and Arbo gave me the stamp of approval, so places in this area shut up and just booked me. Um, Drew started Beyond through Yarders, so there wasn't anything weird about that. Um, and then when I came down here with FWO, Wolf found us all from a backyard fed renting his place. So some people were like weird about it, and I that that was just getting them get they needed to get over themselves. And eventually, when the the book was offered to me, I think they uh, they you know they, they got out because they couldn't they couldn't deal with the fact. So there, I guess there was some negativity, but it was just negativity from people that didn't get it, didn't understand. Yeah, I feel like that's that's always been a thing. Is that. I mean, from the the last generation who couldn't stand yarders, it was probably a hard thing to look at. You know, these guys who had to get into a business that was much more guarded and secure. And here we are being open about the fact that we were kind of just fucking off. And our fucking off led us into becoming talented wrestlers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But then what I found out, which was really weird, was a couple of those guys that were being pricks were already, like I had found out after the fact that like they were yarders like from before with us like but we just never crossed paths and like they were like oh you know those guys those guys are dicks and i was like what are you talking about like they're awesome dudes like what are you talking about (laughs) so i guess they might have been they might have been bad yarders and then turned into bad indie workers and i don't mean to say bad but my first swo show that i was booked on one of these guys was the booker and there was 30 people in the crowd and he had been he had the book for three years. Go ahead, man. <laughs> okay. Um, where, where exactly? Ah, uh, shit. Do you know where it cut off? Uh, I mean, I started recording again, but you were talking about how... Now now it's my, my fuck-ups are always oh, apparent on the show. <laughs> no, it's fine. Uh, it's all like Mid-Atlantic. It's all good, man. Yeah, it's like Mid-Atlantic in 84. It's all, you know, to tape. If we fuck up, it's there. But uh, you were talking about exactly. how, how the, the previous booker only had 30 people in the crowd after three years, which I, ah, oh, that's cringy. I'm cringy yeah, on the other side. Three well. years, you know, three years, 30, 30 people in the crowd and 10 were there to see me and the two other people that were on the show, like friends of ours. So had, had the three of us not been on it, they would have had a crowd of 20. Oh, and I mean, you, you hear stories. I know, what the, I know what the bills are, so I don't know how they paid them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, you hear stories about people, you know, saying how their their first show was in front of like handfuls of people, but it also makes you wonder what the fuck was going on. If you're, I mean, I mean, if you're in a, a fucking middle of nowhere spot, but even then, everybody likes wrestling, so I don't get it. 
Yeah, if you just try a little bit, <laughs> you're gonna get more than ten, you're gonna get more than twenty people. Just try a little bit, oh. or have some like self pride. <laughs> I don't a, know. Just a little dignity, and you can you can get thirty five people in a room. Uh, now, uh, I feel like because Hell, if you invite your family, you can get like thirty five people. That's <laughs> true. I feel like we are definitely in an era of of much smaller guys. Not not to say anything bad about them because they're they're super athletic, and you know some of the stuff they do is is truly amazing. Absolutely. But but you're still a big boy. You're a hoss in this world. What is it like to still you know be a hoss in yes. the ring? Yes. <laughs> Uh, you know, I feel it a lot more now than I did 10 years ago, 10, 12 years ago when I was running around with the small guys in the yard. Uh, but doing that for so long for fun, like keeping up with everyone, I'm still pretty fast for like your average big guy. Um, so it's a lot of fun. Uh, it brings a fresh dynamic because there are so many smaller guys and, uh, you know, what's old is new because I do, you know. Your generic, well, it's not generic. I do your your basic big guy versus little guy stuff, throwing a little touch of razzle dazzle here, and it's like you know, on the card full of little guy versus little guy. It stands out in a heartbeat. A few spots where I'm running a little fast or moving and grooving, and people are like, "Man, that guy's really agile." I get a room. They people compare me to Kevin Owens a lot, and I think it's just because of the gut and the beard. But <laughs> I guess I'll take it. <laughs> uh, actually, I see it. That was that was one of the things I noticed. Um, you know, when watching you in Pizza Party and watching you in SWO, it's like I see that connection. So so be proud of that, man. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> it's like yeah, I should own it. So. Um, how did the opportunity come up to be the booker? Like, was it just like a, like a random, Oh, you, or, or was it like a serious plan? Um, well, there was a bit of a plan. Like I had said that myself and eight other people went, uh, training with, uh, Wolfman at the barn. Uh, it was Wolf and this guy, Evan, who like had his fundamentals, but didn't have too much else. Uh, and this guy, Ken, who is a you know a bit of a dick at first? A lot of people don't like him. He's gonna, you know, gives people wrong impressions. But once you get to know him, you know that he really tough outer shell. But people really you know he cares. Um, so they were helping all of us with our fundamentals. Well, they realized real quick that I knew what I was doing, so they kind of let me help also. But uh, we would all get together and workshop twice, sometimes three times a week uh, for like nine months. And in that time we were at Wolf's training facility and I was like, Wolf, what, you know, let me like put some stuff together with, uh, these guys and anyone from the actual shows that wants to come down and, you know, I'll show you some ideas and, you know, a couple things that I can do. They weren't using the cameras at all. Uh, they weren't, they weren't really booking angles. So I was running, you know, small shows from the, uh, the barn is what we called it. And videotaping it, throwing it up on YouTube and editing a little bit here and there. And Wolf was like, uh, like you know, he was like, I like your drive. And the booker at the time, obviously, you know, he was he was running on empty. So in the beginning of 2016, it was asked of me, like, hey, you know, do you want to take a shot at booking SWO? And I was like, yeah, I, I, I think I could. And uh, Wolf said, okay. And uh, the current booker at the time agreed and then said he wanted to do it as a group and then said he would give it to me, but then he wanted it back. And I was like, <laughs> I think, you know, I should take it or, you know, you should, they, you guys should find somebody else. And then he said, okay, you can have it. And I immediately started, you know, we instilled what we were doing and uh, it didn't happen overnight or right away. But by July of 2016, we had a crowd that had like 130 people into us. That was, uh, was a big deal, you know, it was much bigger than, hey, we think we're going to get 40 people out tonight. Um, and uh, by by that time, also, the original Booker had left and bought his own ring and started his own company and said all sorts of nasty things about us and, you know, said that we would sabotage ourselves. But, Jake, here we are still running, and his company is folded, and he sold the ring. I was about to say, he's not running, is he? <laughs> 
No, he is not. And you... he decided to run on Sunday uh, during football season. Oh my god! How fucking stupid are you? Oh my god! I, I don't know. That's fucking bad. Oh. oh. Yeah. <laughs> but hey, I that shows some of his decision making process. Right, that is what it is. And obviously, you have done great with SWO because before you took over. I had never heard of it. And then, you know, not long after you being there, I saw the links start popping up on Facebook. And that's enough for a, if you're a wrestling fan, you see something new and it, it catches your eye, you're going to start looking. And yeah, you, absolutely. Um, it, it didn't happen overnight, like I said, but like once that July 2016 hit, we went from then until. Uh, I think July of this year, because it was a super heat wave where we didn't have less than a hundred paid. And then even then in July of this year, it was like 98 paid and there's still comps and stuff. So like we've been averaging 130, sometimes hitting 230, 250. We've been really knocking it out of the park. And it's not just me. I'll be the first to say that a million times. Like I have a roster and a team and a crew that really genuinely cares about our product and putting our best foot forward and i think that helps a lot oh no you definitely have have a great crew and that helps and you've you've been able to do a lot of stuff i mean you've you were booking guys who are with major companies now so you you absolutely you definitely uh, oh go ahead man I was just going to say we had a pretty good relationship with Sonny Kiss. I'm super happy that he's getting um, signed to AEW or got signed to AEW for about a year now. Uh, we were a good relationship with Tony and Alex Zane. Um, we we're doing stuff once a year for a church, like a fundraiser for them. And we always bring in someone big. Like we had Ted DiBiase. We had uh, Moose last year. Talking about big plans for this year. We did Seidel one year. It's yeah, pretty awesome. It is, and you, like I said, man, be super proud of yourself because that was really a promotion I'd never heard of to one where I'm I'm always looking out to see who's on the next card. Thank you. Uh, so how much different is booking from just being a wrestler? I mean, some people, are, I think, are going to hear it and think, well, it's not that hard. I mean, if you know how to wrestle, you should be able to know how to make a card, but they don't get how much goes into it. So much more goes into it, man, because a wrestler, like, maybe they'll think about their match in advance if they know what it is, but, like, they just got to work on their fundamentals and their drills and the staying good ring shape and everything like that, and their work mostly is done day of, you know, in terms of, like, putting everything together. I am thinking of, uh, well, right now I'm just thinking of when the hell can we run again because of everything that's going on, but... Normally, if this if the world was not infested with uh, the coronavirus, uh, I would be thinking like three shows ahead of time. Um, you know, uh, who can we get in here to help this town? What do we need for this match? Is we got to blow off this? We got the big fundraiser coming up for the Reynolds Middle School. What do we need for that? Who, by the way, that was supposed to be in. May, we were going to work with Bryce Remsburg because he lives in Lancaster. That would have been pretty awesome. Well, that would have been so much uh, fun. Hopefully, we can get that rescheduled and Bryce will still be on board. But, you know, I got to think about all this. And then the last thing I think about is, do I have a match in here? What can I do? <laughs> <laughs> and then the day of the show, I'm worried about everyone's matches. I'm worried about the people coming out to the show. I'm worried about making sure, you know, referees know everything, uh, Guys know everything. And then I get to think about, oh, let me get a few minutes with my opponent and call some stuff together. <laughs> now, it's got to be hard because I know plenty of, you know, owners and bookers who are just backstage, you know, going nuts, you know, trying to, to deal with any last minute issues that can happen because shit always goes down on show day. So oh, absolutely. It, it has to be hard to be wrestling at the same time because then you have to try to sort that shit while sorting your own shit. <laughs> yeah, it's very difficult. Um, a lot of times, I'm like, I'm now more than ever, I'm starting to kind of thinking of like picking up a couple different bookings during the month so that I can get my wrestling in and maybe taking a backseat at SWO. But then the guys at SWO are like, no, Don, you know, we like having you on board uh, and, you know, in ring. 
Um, but I think ultimately I'm going to do what I feel is the best thing possible because I don't want to feel like I ever slight my opponent or anything like that. When the re- like the the cards are like getting their matches together earlier and I'm running around bouncing around being like, oh, I'll get you later, man. I got to make sure these guys, are, you know, I, I just want to still deciding whether or not I need to be in the ring. Yeah, and I don't blame you on that. And do you get treated any different for booking while you're still wrestling? Uh, on other shows, sometimes, yeah. Like, if somebody finds out that I'm a booker, they'll immediately just decide to hang out and talk to me a lot. And, uh, it's I mean, it's kind of annoying, but it, it is what it is. It kind of comes with the territory, too. Like, ultimately, if you just want to be treated like a worker – just find out, you know, let it be known that, you know, don't, let, you know, don't let it be known that you're a booker. <laughs> I mean, it's gotta be hard too if your other shows and someone finds out you're a booker. Cause then you immediately have to worry about someone probably kissing your ass in the hopes to catch another booking. <laughs> There's been a few, a few folks like that. Uh, but ultimately I just say like, you know, I just find a way to blow it on, you know, over their head or, you know, just give them, you know, backhanded, like, oh, you know, maybe, you know, give them the old, hey, we'll see. Yeah. Keep you in mind. <laughs> Send an 8 by 10 and some, some video like, clips. It's, it's a bit of an awkward conversation, but, like, they're setting themselves up for it. Yeah, literally. Because, <laughs> I mean, I couldn't even imagine being being ran in with that. But then there are times where it's, like, it's it's awesome to have because, like, I reconnected with Alex at that first pizza party show, and that's how we were able to work some stuff out for last year and Doug also for this year and Brad for last year. And, uh, I went to triple WA, which is like, cause we rent, uh, this guy named Dino's promotion. Cause you gotta have a promoters license in PA and, uh, he, uh, he's partners with Wolf and he uses Wolf's ring for his company, which has been around for 40 years, which is insane. Wow. Um, but, uh, I go there sometimes, and that's how I found a guy like Tony Cheney, who uh, I thought had something, and turns out, you know, he's got like a pretty big following because of this Grimm's Toy Show thing. But uh, I booked him last minute uh, for last month, and uh, he came out, and people knew who he was because the show has such a following. I thought, you know, just got somebody for a quick put somebody over kind of match, but. Nope, it was one of the most overmatches of the night because you never know who has what kind of following online. Yeah, you you really don't, and that that's that is true. People, you'd be like, oh, who's this guy? And then you know he comes out and fucking half the crowd's going nuts, and I'm like, well, I guess I should start paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> um, now we're obviously, as you said, we're in a situation where we don't know whether or not the world is ending. So hopefully it's not. And hopefully all this shit blows over soon. And when it does, what are your goals for 2020? And maybe if this does take a little longer than we wanted to, 2021. Um, whenever the timeline comes out, um, it's just to immediately bounce back. I think SWO, it started to hit some serious stride. Uh, not only with our turnouts at our shows, but like the wrestlers with their in-ring and our relationships with our guests and like it seemed like there was a genuine demand, um, like uh, sort of Facebook activity. We're not super po- popular on Twitter because we kind of have an older crowd and a younger crowd. So like Twitter, it's not like really it's moving with a little bit of the diehards, but like we're more of a Facebook group. And you know, it it different strokes for different folks. But uh, like as soon as I find out when we can run again, it's just to bounce back and keep hitting that trend. Like I'd said, we were supposed to be doing a. Uh, fundraiser for the reynolds middle school it was supposed to raise money for them to take a trip to the philadelphia zoo an opportunity for those kids that you know normally wouldn't get to be able to do oh that's a nice zoo uh yeah it's pretty sick zoo uh like because what ace dallas one of the uh, wrestlers in swo he's a teacher for that school oh that's and, cool um, yeah so we were trying to help out his school um it looks like you know at this rate school might be canceled so hopefully we can get that in in october early next year for their school year. Um, but uh, also the church fundraiser is in November. Like I said, we had big plans for that. I don't want to spoil anything in case it doesn't happen or, you know, <laughs> not, not jinx it, but, you know, big things for that that I still want to meet as the goal. 
Um, and then just to continue, I'm going to use this downtime to uh, take advantage of our library. We have like four years worth of footage that I don't think has quite seen. I like, I don't think it's reached as many people as it could have. So I'm going to really uh, hit the ground running right now on uh, releasing like un, unreleased shows, a, ma- a few matches at a time with commentary, dual uh, angle edit. Yeah, just keep our keep our uh, image out there to the people. Yeah, and uh, one of the things that I, I'm just going to mention right now is that all your shows are for free on YouTube. So if yeah, any, absolutely. if you know, if anybody wants to be checking out SWO, literally just go into YouTube and type SWO Pro Wrestling. You guys immediately pop up. There's tons of shows. Uh, a show got uploaded yesterday that I'm still trying to finish. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, we uh, we I I know as a wrestler, you want to see that footage and be able to send promoters that footage to try and get work elsewhere, to make a highlight reel, to get work elsewhere. And I know as a fan, you want to be able to watch that. So I try to get one of our two angles up within the week or a couple weeks, and uh, just so it's there for pe- people to use. And I've been doing that for all four years that we've been uh, involved with SWL. Um, we've got over 121,000 views, and this is all just from posting they're like just uploading like there's no share there's no push so now with a push and re-uploading some of those with different angles and commentary see what we can pull together and what kind of following we can gain on that also yeah and there's there's definitely a mix of whole different people i love your guys's tag division uh blue dream is great i love those guys they're, they're, they i love res- i love wrestling them they're they're you never know what you're going to get with them, and and you're still bringing in tons of guys that like and if like if you say the name they're going to know, uh, like Demarest, Whisper, uh, Matt Vertigo, uh, Sean Phoenix for sure. Just you know, there's there's definitely people that even if maybe they've never watched a show of yours before, there's going to be guys you'll know for uh, like a hundred percent. And then you got random and sporadic appearances from guys like Ted DiBiase, uh, Matt Seidel. Jonathan Gresham, Ricky Reyes, Moose, Alex Zane, Tony Deppin, as much as it pains me to say it now, James Ellsworth. <laughs> oh, hey, man, you got to bring them in while they're hot. <laughs> I suppose so. <laughs> All right, man, now would it be cool if I asked you a series of rapid-fire questions that have absolutely nothing to do with pro wrestling? I'd be offended if you didn't. Okay. What is the worst place you personally could be stuck at? Oh. <laughs> Martel's mom's uh, attic with Freak Show. <laughs> I can't tell you the last time I saw him either. That, that, that's a name. <laughs> Me either. I drunkenly challenged the bare knuckle, challenged him to bare knuckle boxing uh, one time, and, you know, it stuck with me. I just <laughs> want to fight him. <laughs> But even in my drunken stupor, I made sure to say, uh, we can't be loud. You don't want to wake up Mark's mom. Yeah, yeah, she could. Oh, my God. The, when The time he broke his arm and she had to come meet us at the hospital, I have never seen a person so fucking angry in my life. And, <laughs> and I was the one who was voted to have to talk for everyone because, of course, it's me. <laughs> Absolutely. And I don't know if you knew this, but uh, during that period of WCW, we were working across the street from a house that had recently had someone shot in the head and killed. I I never knew that fact, and I'm (laughs) glad I was never at that house. (laughs) I I will just never forget seeing it in the news and going, fuck, I wrestle across the street. What the fuck? But the thing about Amsterdam is uh, any of those houses has either had someone shot or Martel's ran WCW there. At, at least a quarter of the city. Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, this one's important to me. Grape or strawberry jelly? Oh, uh, I'm going to have to go grape. Thank you. Grape jelly gang for life. Uh, what is the for sure. What is the one thing you own that you wish you never bought? that i wish i never bought yeah you just you got it and you're like why the fuck do i have this um 3ds 
Yeah, I didn't play mine as much as I thought I would either. <laughs> yeah, I didn't like. I don't even know where it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the last right. time, last thing I knew was I, I they sent my job sent me to Rhode Island for a, 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 no New Hampshire for a week, and I found it. I was like, oh, I'll bring it. Maybe I'll play it. I think I played it for an hour. <laughs> I got it for my wife so she could play Animal Crossing. She didn't play it too much, and now I don't know where it's at. And, you know, the son of a bitch thing is, is we uh, we just got a Switch so she could play Animal Crossing. I was, I was Animal about Crossing. to say that she so made you get it. I hope history doesn't repeat itself, and soon the Switch is going to go missing. Well, at least the Switch has a lot more stuff you can play on it than just Animal Crossing. Now, uh, Yeah, for sure. What's your favorite drink? Uh, I'm a Pepsi guy. Or are we talking alcoholic drink? It, it's any drink. Anything that you can drink that hopefully won't kill you. All right. Hey, I'm a Pepsi guy. All right. Uh, if you were a superhero, what would your superpower be? Oh, it's got to be. It's got to be X-ray vision. <laughs> that is a good one. It's a cheat. That's, that's the cheating. It's just the cheating one. <laughs> All right. And my last one. What is the creepiest basement you have ever been in and why? creepiest basement i've ever been in and why i'm gonna go ahead and say orion's basement was the creepiest basement i've ever been in because uh there was one time we were there and his mom was drunk and she kept yelling don don i lost my virginity to a man named don and i did not want to be in that basement i did not want to leave i don't i just did not I want to be there. It was a very uncomfortable time in my life. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, well, uh, if you're ever home visiting any family members, you're more than welcome to come down and spend some time with me in my creepy basement. <laughs> and and maybe one hundred percent. Then you wouldn't be alone in the basement. It would be that's right. Uh, company in the basement, <laughs> and and we can watch old fucking yarding footage of us. Uh, only if it's great to you. Okay, I, I could probably get him here for that if you wanted it. I I always have a great tea sucks wristband in my gear bag. Oh, all right, man. Thank since you. Since July. Since July. <laughs> That's great. Thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I had tons of fun, and I, I can't wait to have you on again sometime. Uh, absolutely, man. Anytime. You let me know. Thank you. This has been a pleasure, and I hope this place takes off. All right. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Take it easy. Take it easy. Bye. <laughs> All right, guys. That was Vicious Van Valley. Uh, I can't say good enough things about that man. Like like he, we were saying, or I was saying, known him, you know, the majority of my adult life, and he's he's a super sweet guy, uh, you know, unless you're across the ring from, from him. So uh, go, literally, go on YouTube, search SWO Pro Wrestling, the, the page pops right up and there is, there's tons, there's tons of stuff on there and a show was literally uploaded yesterday. So, uh, I hope you guys en enjoyed the interview. I will, as always be back tomorrow. Uh, shout out to my wife for sticking through all my bullshit and me always being a pain in the ass and update. She got me a new lantern for the basement. So it's a little, little better lit down here. <laughs> all right, guys. See y'all tomorrow. Love you. Bye.